Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Just uh, another update here on something that I wrapped the hour with. And, and this all started when I was getting ready to get on the air here this afternoon. I had a couple of emails that came in about a shooting that was right down, you know, around the corner from where we were at at Enterprise Center this time. 14th and Clark. Now, let's remember 13th and Market. I'm sorry, 14th and Market, just a block over, which is right in front of Stiefel. There was a shooting that involved some of the people that are hanging out at the homeless encampment right there in the dilapidated courts building. They moved it from City Hall and the other park. They all just picked up their tents and moved there. It's an open-air drug market, and once again, we have a shooting. And this comes, by the way, four weeks after I came on the air, and I said, this is an unsafe situation. Something bad is going to happen. And by the way, this is when I'm talking about it being unsafe, I'm talking about people going into the hockey games or concerts. There's a little police presence out there, but not much. So this leadership in City Hall and Tashara Jones, what they're going to do is they're going to wait for something really bad to happen. They're going to wait for something, because these were people who knew each other again, two homeless guys or whatever. That's my prediction. We'll find out. Uh, two drug dealers. But what happens when there's someone that's innocent that's just going to a concert or going to Disney on ice or something like that, and they're caught in the crossfire? It is an unsustainable situation. It's not safe. Oh, but what are we going to do about the homeless people? Well, they shouldn't be downtown right there. If they don't want to go into shelters, I got nothing for them. I I don't know what you want to do. Maybe they could live under the highways in Los Angeles, which are, are now closed because of homeless encampments. And our friend John Ziegler is here the co-host of the podcast, The Death of Journalism. How are you, John? Welcome back. Always good to talk to you, Mark. Well, the reason I was asking you yesterday about that fire, and I want you to kind of explain the scope of that, because the 10 and the freeways in L.A., this is a major situation. But there is a theory that it wasn't just a storage facility that burned down, right? There were homeless encampments that led to part of these fires as well, weren't there? Yeah, that appears to be the case. And, and to your first point, I mean, this is a huge deal. I and mean, you've spent a lot of time in L.A., so you know how fragile the ecosystem here is already when it comes to traffic. And when you take a, a major highway right in the middle of Los Angeles and you shut yeah. down a, a major section of it right at the interchange, then you're going to have a massive backup. Now, the cause – here's the thing. This is where – we we live in this world where you know we can't trust our own media we can't trust our own leadership to tell us the truth especially when they have a self-interest not to and it's very obvious that the media and governor newsom and all the public officials in los angeles have a huge self-interest in not blaming this 
on the homelessness problem because that's obviously has political ramifications. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to obfuscate and, and claim that this was uh, Newsom has actually claimed this is arson by bad actors, whoever the hell they are. I don't know what the hell their motivation would be. Right. To to set a fire underneath the bridge, underneath the highway, um, but the, you know it appears as if, and I'm obviously no expert on highway structures, but it appears as if this may not be as bad as first feared, and they are currently claiming that they may have it fixed within three to five weeks. Uh, if that's the case, then this probably goes away without you know major political ramifications. However, if if this were to go on. For a prolonged period, and the narrative would be out there that this really was either directly or indirectly because of homelessness. And kind of to your story, Mark, I think whenever homelessness homelessness is involved, there's both direct and indirect uh, ramifications yeah. here. I mean, some, sometimes bad things happen that aren't directly related to the homelessness problem, but they're indirectly related, and they wouldn't have happened if that homelessness encampment wasn't there to begin with, and it shouldn't be there. So, But if this goes on you know, for an extended period of time, I think it has ramifications on, on Newsom, um, and I, I think it might even theoretically you know, eliminate the opportunity he could have if Biden were to to step aside to end up becoming yeah. the Democratic nominee. Well, you mentioned the repair time. Here's what he said. The time frame is interesting. The estimate currently is three to five weeks. We're going to do everything in our power to move that uh, into more immediate future. Now, John, you say that's a short time. That seems like a long time to have a major highway closed in one of the biggest oh, cities well, on the oh. planet, right? Okay, well, let me yes, let me be clear. I, I'm dealing on a, on a very low level of expectations for anything government related in Los Angeles or California. No, I get it. So, so yes, three to five weeks is, is an enormous amount of time. Uh, you may remember that uh, there was a section of I-95 that was completely destroyed that um, on the East Coast that got fixed uh, faster than that did, um, and this apparently again. The the initial damage is not quite as bad as feared. So I'm hopeful that maybe Newsom is setting himself up to declare victory by you know getting this done in uh, two weeks or yeah. whatever. So don't you think, Don, do you know, is this thing between DeSantis and Newsom still going to happen with Hannity? Because if it does, Ron DeSantis is going to say, look, I had the causeway in uh, Sanibel open in three days. You're going to take, f- you know, three to five weeks to open this thing. What's up, Gavin? Well, you you definitely should send that line to the DeSantis camp. I mean, as, as far as I know, that it's still very much on. Uh, Newsom has been taunting DeSantis. I'm very concerned about that debate because, one, Newsom is very slippery and yep. he uses these statistics that are bogus, but you can't. You know, you can't attack bogus statistics in the time allowed in this kind of an event. And frankly, I don't trust Sean Hannity because I don't think Hannity's very bright and Hannity's clearly a Trump supporter. So Newsom will have the advantage of being able to claim he's he's in a road game with a, a, a moderator who's biased against him. So expectations will be lower. So I'm a little concerned about how that will go. But I actually think that that's the most important thing DeSantis will do during this entire presidential campaign, because I think 
the future of the country depends on DeSantis winning that debate, especially when it comes to the issue of COVID and, and other related issues. So, well, let, let's go to the presidential race, John, and we've talked about this quite a bit. I mean, the whole thing, and I know you were early in saying this is kind of moot. It looks like Trump's going to be the guy. Can DeSantis really do it? It seems to me that Nikki Haley's got the advantage over DeSantis right now. It also seems like that whole debate last Wednesday was a complete and total waste of time. Now, Iowa is still on the line, so I don't know how you feel right now, but is there a reason to continue to think that there's a race on the Republican side, I suppose, is the question. Well, what I always do, and I'm a DeSantis supporter, and I'm very much uh, against Donald Trump being the nominee, and I've been anti-Trump conservative since 2015, probably as as consistent as anybody on that issue. What I always do, Mark, is I, I think about, okay, what's the most optimistic scenario, right? Even though I'm not an optimist by nature, what's the most optimistic scenario? And even if I give you the most optimistic scenario that's currently rational, which would be, let's say DeSantis pulls a great upset using organization and the endorsement of the Iowa governor and you know, the fact that it's a caucus and maybe Trump's people aren't don't show up because they're overconfident. And let's say DeSantis either comes very close or somehow wins Iowa, right? That's the dream scenario for DeSantis people. By the way, not completely impossible. Not not likely, but not impossible. It's my view, Mark, that even that scenario doesn't pull this off. Because you can't duplicate, you can't duplicate Iowa in any other state. For one, it's a caucus. Two, you've been able to campaign there for months and you know, knock on doors and shake hands, and it's a different type of place. You're immediately going to run into New Hampshire, where there, you know, there's all sorts of problems for DeSantis there, including the abortion issue, and then Nevada, where Trump is popular, and then you got a South Carolina primary where Haley is the former governor. She's not going to get out likely until then. Uh, And so there's no way to beat Trump there. And and so where I go with this is even if I go with the most optimistic scenario possible, if you're the Sanders person, I still go back to Florida. Ironically enough, the best scenario for the Sanders right now is you somehow get to Florida. Right. And that's the the Waterloo. There ain't no way right now the Sanders is beating Trump in Florida. And I've always worried about Florida because. There's too many Floridians who will feel like, well, I like both of them. You know, Trump only has one term he can serve. I can keep my governor in DeSantis, and I can get Trump as president. Who are they going to vote for? Those people are going to vote for Trump. They're not going to vote for DeSantis. And you can't win the nomination if you lose Florida if you're on DeSantis. Game over. So – even under the best-case scenario, Trump still wins this day. So let, let me ask you about the abortion issue and your thoughts on what happened last week on Election Day. I guess it was a week ago today and how that might play. And, you know, ironically, and John, you know this, Trump's probably the more moderate one in that whole field on abortion, right? Which is ironic because, of course, it was his Supreme Court justices that put us in this position by getting rid of Roe v. Wade. Uh, so Trump is his classic Trump issue. Trump gets to claim credit whenever it suits his purposes, but he can also distance himself whenever it suits his purposes. Uh, you know, this is a guy who famously went on Meet the Press with Tim Russert and said, I'm very pro-choice. Uh, no one believes that, that Donald Trump is truly pro-life, but he had to pretend to be in 2016 to get the nomination. And so I, I just think that I'm, I'm with the conventional wisdom on this, Mark. I think that uh, Tuesday's last Tuesday's results proved once again that Republicans are in big trouble on this issue. They shouldn't be, 
because the, the public doesn't understand what the Supreme Court did, and the media has done a terrible job of educating people what the Supreme Court did. The Supreme Court did not outlaw abortion in any way, shape, or form, as you well know. They just put it back to the states, and now we have this, you know, it's like manna from heaven for Democrats. Uh, ironically enough, I think the only silver lining is that Ohio passes this this law, this constitutional amendment, which may take abortion off the table, and they've got a Democratic senator running for re-election next year who may be hurt by that because because they just lost, in theory, a turnout driver because it's no longer an issue in Ohio. But other than that, I think this is a losing issue, and unfortunately, you know, Ron DeSantis, from a political perspective, and he knowingly did this, he signed a, a six-week abortion ban in Florida, and even though he can say as many times as he wants, he'll never make that a federal law or even a bill or support it, whatever, it doesn't matter. That makes him DOA with too many swing voters, especially women in the suburbs. I'm with you on that. The only thing that I think about in terms of, well, I'll just use my state in Missouri here, John, because there's going to be one of these amendments as well that's going to go to voters. And I, I think I, I thought it was going to go on primary, which wouldn't have as much, obviously, effect. But I'm being told now that it's likely to be on the general election ballot. But I don't see a situation, and it's going to pass here, by the way, it's going to pass in a red state. But I also think Josh Hawley's going to win re-election, and we're going to have a Republican governor and some other stateholders. Now, I can't be sure that. You don't know what's going to happen within a year. So I do think there's the ability for voters to separate that out. But on the presidential side, you're right. With swing voters in the states that matter, that's where it gets dicey. And I don't know what the Republicans do about it. Well, Nikki Haley, I mean, look, I, I don't, I'm not a Nikki Haley fan, okay? I want to make that Why clear. Not? Why not, though? Uh, I I don't I think she's because you're a misogynist Ziggler is that why? What? What's that? <laughs> because you're what? a misogynist? Oh yeah, because yeah, I hate women, misogynist. right? Because I'm yeah. I'm married with two young daughters. I'm 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 a misogynist. No, I actually like her. I like the fact that she's a woman. I think it would be great to have a woman on the ticket. But let me just border bottom line what I was trying to say there. If you want to beat Joe Biden, the data right now overwhelmingly points you in the direction of Nikki Haley. All right. Now, I know that a lot of Republican voters don't want to hear that. But you know, here I am, a DeSantis supporter and a, and a Trump hater. I'm telling you, if, if a gun to your head, you got to beat Joe Biden and pick somebody from the current field, Nikki Haley has the best chance, partially because she's a woman and partially because I think she threads the needle yes. on the abortion issue better than anybody I else. I agree does. with you on that. So why, well, not, you go. Well, why not focus on Nikki Haley then? Because she can't win the nomination. It's not possible. Yeah. Well, but can anyone win the nomination? That's the, I don't see DeSantis having a better path than Nikki Haley. I agree with you that both of them probably can't. They seem to be in it just to sort of see what happens if somehow Trump falls off the, uh, you know, the life preserver. I don't know. Well, if Trump passes away um, or gets, you know, maybe if he's physically imprisoned, but that's not going to happen soon enough. For, for to matter in a Republican primary, then obviously all bets are off. Um, you know, I, you know I, I'm just telling you which candidate would have the best chance yeah. to win. I fully realize that 2012, where we picked the best candidate to win and didn't work out, Mitt Romney, and unfortunately Republicans have been hating the establishment ever since, even though I'm positive Romney did have the best chance to beat Obama in 2012. It just didn't work out. That's That rationality no longer exists in a Republican primary. If this was 2012, the Republican primary base would eventually realize Nikki Haley was the one if you want to win. But I'm not even sure Republicans want to win anymore, Mark, based upon what I'm seeing nationally. Uh, what do you mean by that, though? 
just because they're so well i mean because if we wanted to win we'd be first of all we Donald Trump wouldn't be ahead by 40 points. Okay. Well, there is that. There is that. I'm not, I, I don't, we're on the same page on that. I mean, the whole thing is just so baffling to me. And I think you and I are on the same page where we want to win because we, we, want, we care about the country. right? There are a lot of things that are on the line. And you can say that in a hyperbolic fashion over the course of time. But I think that this is one of those elections, given everything. And, and I mentioned this yesterday, John. Did you see Barry Weiss's speech before the Federalist Society or check that out or read the transcript? I, I did not. No. You should do it. It's no. because it, it's really, really good on the issue of this whole thing that's happening in this country. You can talk about the Middle East, but what's happening on these college campuses and the things that have been happening on college campuses and even in high schools and elementary schools, this is about Western civilization right now. And what we're seeing across the country is more troubling than I ever anticipated it, just seeing the protests, the pro-Palestinian, the pro-terrorist protests, if you will. No, I, I, I agree. We're on the precipice. And and if Biden wins, he's going to resign at the perfect time to allow Kamala Harris to potentially serve 10 years. I mean, and so how do you recover from that? I don't see how you do. Well, before I let you go, and maybe I'm the only one who cares about this, Zig, but you know how much I care about golf, and I just wanted to hear the <laughs> recap because you were in a you were in a tournament last <laughs> week, and you you had your ups and downs. But um, God bless you, Zig. How'd you, you you didn't make you made the cut in the end, right? It was an amateur championship. Yeah, I was playing in the California, which is obviously a big tournament. California senior amateur. I'm old now uh, for guys who are over 55, but uh, you know a lot of very very elite players. Um, one one guy I was supposed to play with the last day uh, played in three U.S. Opens, regular U.S. Opens. I mean, there's a lot of top players yeah, in this thing. That's awesome. And I had a terrible first day. Second day, I shot one under par, made a 40-foot putt on the last hole to make the cut by oh, one. Nice. But then I stupidly uh, I went home, drove two hours to do a TV appearance on News Nation with Dan Abrams. I had to get up at ridiculous hour the next morning to drive two hours back and. I just hit a wall on the back nine. It didn't really matter because after you make the cut, you know, there's really nothing else to play for unless you can win. I was out of contention for winning. But it was it was fun and I can occasionally I can still move it. So well, what's your do you care like are you a scratch or a handicap what? Three or four or something I like that? I think my handicap is currently zero point yeah. four or something. That's pretty like that. good. Did you see the uh the story today with Rory explaining the dust up with Patrick Cantley's caddy? I I think I, is this where he call, calls him the D word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. He goes, here's what angered me. My relationship with Kentley is average at best. We don't have a ton in common. We see the world quite differently. But then he says that they were – this happened during the Ryder Cup. He and uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, who was playing with Rory, they were trying to quiet the crowd for putts, and he didn't think that Kentley's uh, caddy did the same or afford. But Rory got hot. I kind of like that because – and you should too because we both have these A type A personalities. I would probably have behaved worse than Rory McIlroy. So I always like hearing stories like that. Well, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I like a little little heat. But I thought Rory let it go. It wasn't that big a deal. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I like Rory, but I just didn't understand what the big deal was. I read, think, read the um, ESPN story. I'll take because I think the big deal is he admitted that he got he got you know too hot, and but he sort of explained the background. And when you hear his explanation, it makes sense. But I think he realizes that he went you know a little too far. He was hot tempered and. These things happen to the best of us, John. I think you know that, right? <laughs> Certainly it's happened to me more than once. That's for me sure. Me too. I've been in the boss's office too many times. Uh, all right, Ziegler.
great to have you on. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work on the golf course. Thanks, John. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This was a, a bit of a crazy day on Capitol Hill. I don't know if it was somehow MMA day or if it was um, wrestling day because you had a member of Congress and the head of the Teamsters Union almost throw down in a committee hearing, right, Fred? There were threats that were made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fox News is calling it Thunderdome. And then McCarthy had this guy from Tennessee, Burchett, Congressman Burchett, who is he a senator? Uh, oh, he's no, he's in house because he's yeah. with McCarthy. He he claims, and there was an NPR reporter there. He claims that McCarthy came by. McCarthy came by and basically kidney punched him when he was talking to this reporter, and then he chased him down. Words were exchanged. I have all of that and more featured in our audio cut of the day, which is sponsored by the Good Feet Store. It's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. I always like a little action on Capitol Hill. Charles Lipson back with us this afternoon, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at the University of Chicago. He writes for Real Clear and Spectator, Wall Street Journal. Great contributor to this very radio show, and he has a better voice than I do for radio. Charles Lipson, how are you? Why, thank you. <laughs> Did you see any of that with the uh, with the, the fights that almost occurred on Capitol? Some of the stuff is just crazy, well, Charles. You know, that's the reason that I do this on the phone with you rather than go into the studio. I, I'm kind of afraid of you. I get it. I get it. Hey, before we talk about some of the things that are very important related to college campuses and these Palestine uh, protests, I know you've written about that. I haven't really covered, I did it with um, Brian Kilmeade just a little bit earlier this afternoon, but I have not covered the thing about Mayor Adams in Chicago. And because of the news cycle, Charles, this story broke on Friday. I think a lot of people don't know about it, and it could be a pretty big story. So what do we know about this? Well, uh, Mayor Adams is a first-time mayor in New York. Uh, He has a little political experience, but he mainly came from the police department uh, with the idea that he might be able to clean up some of the crime. Of course, he hasn't done that. But he has sharply criticized uh, the Biden administration. He's a Democrat, but he sharply criticized the Biden administration for all of the number of illegal immigrants coming in, which is not only a safety problem, it's a huge problem for uh for the budget, because you have to pay for schooling for the children and so forth and a lot of services. So what 
the FBI raided his chief fundraiser, who was only 23 when she was his uh, when she was raising money for him. And uh, the claim, and they took her cell phones and iPads and so forth, and raided her house and searched it. And then later, they searched, um, they searched uh, the, they took the mayor's iPhone and iPad. Um, so, what are they looking for, and yeah. what's his vulnerability? They're looking for illegal foreign contributions. All foreign contributions are illegal. The question is, did Turkey? Uh, give uh, those to the mayor's campaign because they have a big and impressive new consulate building built in New York, but they couldn't get it occupied because the fire department was delaying uh, the permit on safety grounds. And then the mayor-elect wrote uh, the head of the fire department after receiving the contribution saying, hey, can't we get this moving? And all of a sudden, everything moved forward, and they got to occupy it. So then the question is, did they receive illegal foreign contributions? That'll probably be easy to prove. Did Mayor Adams himself know about them? And we will probably be able to figure that out from the seized phones and iPads. Was there an actual quid pro quo, which would make it a bribe? This is everyday stuff in St. Louis and Chicago and so forth. You walk through the airport in St. Louis or Chicago, and you see all the uh, little stores there and so forth. What do you think is the percentage of those that donated to the mayor? I'd say 100%, (laughs) right? You might be right about that, yeah. But, But if they say we donated in order, to, to get this or that favor done, then that is what makes it illegal. So it's just a question of uh, of how sophisticated you are and whether you said anything that was on tape or on. And, and then the final question, which a lot of conservatives have said to me, uh, but I don't have any uh, evidence one way or the other, is they think that the rate itself might have been political because it related to the criticism of Biden. And I would say the one thing we do know is that the FBI can keep a secret if they want to. We don't know who visited uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's private island or flew on his plane. That's secret, secret, secret. But we know all this information about Mayor Adams because the FBI and the uh, Department of Justice leaked it. Those are felonies. Nothing will happen to them. But but they okay. But then that begs that begs the question, Charles, because and Kilmeade brought this up earlier. Look, I, I think in this day in politics, you don't know is there some sort of political influence that's being exerted by the administration because they don't like some of the things that Adams is saying about immigration right now. Exactly. That I mean, people wonder that. It seems to me that the fact that people can wonder it. And that lots of people can uh, if they're conservative. First of all, it shows you that the FBI has completely lost what used to be its natural constituency, which is the people who favor law and order, which are conservatives. But those people no longer uh, think that the FBI is an honest, fair broker in these law enforcement issues. And the second thing is that they simply no longer have trust in government. And that that's a very destabilizing thing. Uh, for democracy, but the loss of trust in government has been well earned. 
So let, let's shift to um, college campuses. And, you know, I don't consider myself really a naive person, but then when I see what's been happening on college campuses, and let's face it, I, I've been highlighting, and you've helped me highlight some of the nonsense that happens in academia because you're a sane person in academia. But when I see some of these protests and some of the things that professors are doing, Charles, and, and other people at Harvard and Cornell, et cetera, I am shocked by some of the anti-Semitism and some of the pro-terrorist love that we're seeing on college campuses. Well, I, you, you're right to be shocked. What I would say is that what people who've been on college campuses knew for a long time has now been exposed to a wider public. And I, I want to add one thing that uh, um, we, we now have basic, the basic politics on every college campus is oppressor versus the downtrodden oppressed. Now, you qualify as a downtrodden oppressed if you're an African-American and your mom is an orthopedic surgeon making $500,000 a year, right? You qualify as an oppressor if your uh, family escaped from Poland 30 years ago or something. You know, I mean, it's all race-based, cleavage-based, uh, and it emanates from the humanities. Make no mistake, the sciences and math and statistics, all of those are still very strong. But any major that has the word studies in it, like African-American studies, urban studies, gender studies, these are highly politicized. And uh, a lot of regular majors, English, history, have become highly politicized, and, uh, and it's had a big effect on uh, campus life, and it's seeped down. And this will interest many of your uh, listeners. They know it's seeped down to high schools and middle oh, schools. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not so sure it's not seeping down into elementary schools. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, but basically, In fact, I, am. I think I am sure that it is. Yeah, yeah let me just say they're, that. One. They're divide. It's it, it, basically. I mean, you and I uh, have a lot of friends. You that was that wonderful ad about the uh, the trip to Italy. Um, you and I have a lot of friends who who would be proud of their Italian American heritage or Greek American heritage or whatever it is, uh, but they think of themselves first and foremost as American. Yes. And uh, their parents almost immediately, if you look at these Jewish kids in the 1930s who were in Brooklyn, their parents want, didn't teach them Yiddish. They taught, wanted to make sure they spoke English. And they didn't teach them some European games. They wanted to make sure they played baseball. And that sense of an overriding unity in the country doesn't imply that you need to be anything but proud of your own heritage, but it does mean that the wedges that divide us don't become all important. And on college campuses, those wedges are everything. So what what happened? You know, we, we've seen this kind of bubbling, and we, cer- we certainly saw it with some of the BLM stuff, as I've referred to St. Louis with Ferguson as ground zero. But when you have parents, and you even addressed this, you got parents, you got alumni, you got people that donate to universities. Some people are pulling back right now. Is this one of those moments where, where maybe there's change that is forced or not, Charles? I don't know. I think it is a moment when you can get change. But the part of the change depends upon 
how vulnerable individual schools are to this kind of pushback. Let me give you, uh, it's just very clear that uh, the leaders of almost all these universities have no spine at all. (laughs) That we know, right. Let me give you an example from MIT this past week. MIT finally, uh, when Jewish students were literally, Jewish students were blocked from going to class, specifically anti-Semitic acts. And some of these students were identified and were going to be disciplined, and they were going to be suspended. And then what did MIT do? Oh, yeah, they were worried that they were going to be deported, right? Right, because if you have a visa to come here from Saudi Arabia or Egypt or something, and uh, it's a student visa, well, if you're suspended from the university, then you have to go back to that country, and you can come back here. But you have to you have to leave when you're no longer a student. What did MIT do? They caved. They caved they immediately. Caved. It's utterly offensive and ridiculous. The the real answer should be yeah. Go back to you if if you don't want to support or if you want to support terrorists, we don't want you here. I look, we got members of Congress that don't come off as very American to me right now in the squad. I'll tell you that we got one of them here in St. Louis with Cory Bush. Yeah. And she's gone. By the way, Charles, this this is uh, ironically timed, although you can pretty much time it in any week or day in St. Louis. You got Cori Bush calling for a ceasefire when I just reported there's a shooting again two blocks away from where I sit. We got people being assassinated in the middle of the day in downtown St. Louis. Shootings all the time. People are afraid to come downtown. There needs to be a ceasefire in my damn city. That's what she should be calling for. Well, the and what they call for when they look at that is they say take away guns. And it, it, uh, whatever you think about the constitutional protections of the Second Amendment, in practice, if you tried to take away guns, the only guns that would be removed would be from law-abiding people who would give them up. Uh, they, would, they would be completely in the hands of, of uh, other groups. Um, and what you have is a kind of cleavage within especially the African-American community between those who are able to raise their families as middle-class families, bourgeois values, all the rest, and areas of extreme poverty, one-parent households, where there's been a kind of social breakdown and a breakdown of education and order and so forth. And people like uh, uh, Representative Bush are uh, basically supportive of a number of the um, of the policies like unionized schools that are keeping uh, their constituents in a hole in a, a rapidly changing economy. So I have no sympathy at all for them on either domestic policy or foreign policy. And the ceasefire stuff, I mean, you know, did you ask Hirohito for one after Pearl Harbor? Yeah, it's it's utterly ridiculous. It really is. Um, before I let you go, and I only have like 90 seconds left because I'm running late, and I always run late. Uh, did anything—this th- is a stupid question, Charles, but I'll ask it anyway. Did anything change last week in the presidential race after that debate or the elections on Tuesday? What a stupid question. <laughs> I know. I told you. The answer is nope. No, I, nope, I'll tell you. Not. The, the thing that's—no, I'm just joking. What The, the thing that— 
that's really embarrassing about these debates is we we all know it's down to two candidates. And the fact that Rona McDonald, who, who or McDaniel, yeah. who, who runs the uh, RNC, has figured out a way to screw up these debates is just embarrassing. We need to know whether the main candidate that's going to go up against Trump is going to be DeSantis or going to be Haley. Right. And I'll tell you something that's kind of paradoxical about the whole thing. If Haley were the nominee, she would win the presidency overwhelmingly, and she would carry both houses. But the Republicans can't figure out a way to nominate her. I agree with you on that front 100 percent. I really do. I just don't see the path. I mean, I think she's going to hang in and maybe DeSantis is doing the same thing just in case something happens. But I think in my mind, having watched this sort of evolve and I've been rather disappointed in in DeSantis on the national stage. Me too. I wrote a piece uh, about DeSantis that said he, he picked up the wrong argument. His basic argument should have been, I agree with all of the issues under Trump. My point is that I can actually implement them and turn uh, a purple state red. If you want the policies implemented by a guy who knows what he's doing, I'm your man. Yeah, didn't That's work out not that how way. he ran. Right. Well, let's see what happens with Nikki Haley. Charles Lipson, if I do not speak with you, probably won't before Thanksgiving. You have a great holiday, and we'll talk soon. You too. All right, take care, you Charles. Too. Thank you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right. Well, I have a very involved, um, multifaceted audio cut of the day, so we better get right to it here. Stand by. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. Sponsored by the Good Feet Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. My, my audio cup runneth over here this week, and there's several stories I haven't gotten to, so I want to address this one because it involves a horrible story from Las Vegas where uh, a kid died after just sticking up for his friend, and there were a bunch of—and it's interesting— because this story, there's always a willingness to involve the race of the person when it's a white guy who does something to a black dude. But if it happens in reverse, like, I don't know, 15 black kids beating up a white kid, it doesn't really seem to get reported that way. And that's what happened in Las Vegas. At least some of nearly a dozen teens involved in this assault could be charged this week, possibly with murder or manslaughter. Jonathan Lewis died Tuesday, two weeks after an attack at Rancho High in Las Vegas, left him on life support. According to his father, Lewis was standing up for a smaller friend who'd been robbed and thrown in a trash can. That's when Lewis gets swarmed by classmates who punch and kick the teen while on the ground trying to defend himself. Now, there's video of this. You can hear the audio in the background here on the Fox report, but they, they, this is all caught on video. This incident happened just outside the school gate. His father set up a GoFundMe page, said Jonathan lived with his mother, but planned to move to Texas to stay with him. It's a terrible, terrible story, and I hope that charges are forthcoming. And I hope that the national media, now again, I kind of get it, the news cycle is rather busy right now, but that's a story that if the situation was reversed, if it was a bunch of white kids, that I can't even imagine what the media coverage, the editorials, the, uh, you know, shaming, the BLM signs, all of these things that would happen. But little, uh, 
little punky white kid in Las Vegas, he doesn't matter at all because he was just sticking up for his friend who got stuffed into a trash can? Are you kidding me? Then there's this, you know, Hamas, they're just trying to help people in Gaza, right? The hospital's being bombed. How dare you, Israel? Except the IDF found the tunnel that leads to the hospital and exposed it today. I want you to see this room. It's in the basement of the hospital. We can see this area is a closed area from the rest of the hospital. We can see the ventilation air that was done improvisedly to this area. And we can see infrastructures that was built in here. Toilets, shower, a small kitchen will provide the terrorists their needs. Also conduct a hideout a hideout where terrorists take hostages and hideouts. But it's just a hospital and babies and civilians and people who really need health care being killed. That's what they're up against in Israel right now. I had some more. We ran out of time. We'll pick it up tomorrow. Going to be a good day on Wednesday. We'll catch you then 3 o'clock. Have a great night. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.